Father, we thank you today that we have the privilege still in America to meet together to study your word. Father, help us to be the salt and light that you've commanded us to be with your help. And may we, wherever we are, may we shine forth your truth. May you give us strength to stand when when you are challenged. Father, may you help us to know what we believe. Father, may you just instill in us through your Holy Spirit the courage of those in your word and those uh, even alive today, those who are taking a stand for you. Father, we pray for America. We know as a nation we've violated so many sins. We've openly, uh, our leaders promote sin. Father, we just pray for our nation. We pray for the believers in our country, Father, that even during this time of purifying, Father, that those who truly believe in you will stand strong in you. And, Father, we give you the honor and the glory. And as we come to you during our prayer time, that we might open our hearts to you for the blessings that you give us so many. We just thank you for your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think if uh, we looked at what's all going on around us, we would all agree that we're living in troubled times. Pastor Steve and Joe have alluded to it many times uh, lately. The Supreme Court ruling that tries to redefine God's definition of marriage uh, out of Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined his wife, and they shall become one flesh. We've seen that going on. National leaders continue to defend the slaughter of the unborn when the Bible teaches human life begins at conception and pro-abortionists oppose passages like Psalm 139.13, for you have formed my inward parts, you have covered me in my mother's womb. And Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you, before God formed you in the womb, I knew you. All very strong evidence that Life begins at conception. Idolatry is rampant. We see that around us all the time from power, money, popularity, uh, worshiping uh, sports figures. It's good to admire them, but to worship them. And then some of those who take a stand, like Tim Tebow, who get under attack because they decide that they're going to take a stand for the Lord. Drug-related crimes, prostitution, accused murders are among the charges of many of those housed in Pinellas County Jail that I see on a weekly basis. In uh, Louisiana, a principal is under attack for closing his remarks, May God bless you. And now he's uh, under attack and his job is in jeopardy. But he's been doing it for six years, now suddenly he's under attack. We all know what was going on in Oregon. Nine killed at a community college after being asked, what's your religious faith? If you said Christian, you were killed, you were shot. Gambling is another area. Every level is being saturated over the airwaves from the Florida lottery to fantasy football. Every time I'm trying to watch a game, every time there's a commercial, you know, spend up to $200, we'll match it. You can gamble as to who's going to win. I had one deputy tell me this past week, a friend of 
His had just lost $3,000 on the FanDuel and the DraftKings trying to be the winner that they show on TV. It's estimated $95 billion will be bet on NFL football this season alone. $95 billion. Can't imagine that. False teachers are everywhere, pulpits, TV, tickling the ears of those who will listen. And I believe as this continues in our country, when we take a stand for God's word or we decide we're going to take a stand for God based on biblical principles, we will be attacked and that persecution will get more intense. We hear political correctness being open-minded. I hear that almost every day. You're too narrow. You believe in the Bible. You need to expand your horizons. There's many ways to heaven. No, there's not. John 14, 6 makes it very clear. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through me, period. That's what I believe. That's what God said. That's not an opinion. That's God speaking. And much of politics in America has become who is a character instead of who has character. I'm going to repeat that. Who is a character instead of who has character? I believe that does matter. I was speaking with a, a young uh, inmate at the jail this last week, and I asked him what is integrity. He had no clue. What is that? Never heard of that word. Must be some new word. That's an old word. <laughs> but it speaks a lot of a person. What is their integrity? How do they stand when that boss isn't there? Troubled times are everywhere. Yet, God has led me to a passage this morning that examines how we need to remain strong in troubled times. Join me in Daniel 1, one of my favorite books. The Old Testament, Daniel. Because Daniel was one who I believe God has this book for us to encourage us. And Daniel 1 encourages us to, to remain strong when troubled times come. And we will see that in Daniel 1 in the testimony of Daniel. And as we talk about Daniel, we're also talking about three other men who later on their faith will be tested in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who uh, in a chapter or two down the line will be tested as well. But in Daniel chapter 1, we have Daniel's testimony. And I think it's very important for us to look at his testimony in three details that exhort us, that encourage us to remain strong in troubled times. As we look at these details of Daniel's testimony, I believe they speak to us to remain strong in troubled times in America. And again, we're including the three men that were with Daniel as well. And I just pray that this will be an encouragement to everyone because we never can get too much encouragement and where to get better encouragement but the Word of God as he worked through Daniel's life. The first detail of Daniel's testimony is Daniel's capture in the first seven verses of Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. 
And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of the officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths in whom there was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered them to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's food, choice food, and from the wine which he drank, and appointed they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them, and to Daniel he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. We see Daniel's capture. The nation of Judah is being besieged and attacked around 605 B.C. There's some parallel passages, 2 Kings 24. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up and Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him and the Lord sent him raiding bands of Chaldeans, bands of Syrians, bands of Moabites, and the bands of the people of Ammon. He sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his servants the prophets. That's 2 Kings 24, 1 and 2. Jehoiakim was the wicked son of Josiah, who ruled Judah for 12 years. Nebuchadnezzar was the son of Nabopolassar. I won't ask you a quiz at the end. And he ruled Babylon 43 years. And there was a siege going on of Jerusalem. Even though the prophets had warned this was coming, and they, the people of Israel had uh, ignored the Sabbath day and the sabbatical year spoken of in Jeremiah 31, where they were told that every seven years they needed to rest the land, and they hadn't been doing that. Nebuchadnezzar moves the sacred vessels of the te- in the temple in Jerusalem to the temple of his God in Shinar. Shinar is another word for Babylon. So when an enemy came in, they would take all the religious sacred items from whatever temple where they worship and move it to their own. That was one way of showing utter defeat on the one that was defeated. Daniel and the other Jewish teenagers are chosen. They're captured. Daniel and the others are interviewed and they're handpicked by the master of Nebuchadnezzar's eunuchs. Many qualifications had to be met by Daniel and his friends. Physically, free from blemish or handicap. They had to be handsome and pleasing to look at. That's a pretty high requirement. (laughs) Then they had to be mentally sharp and socially polished for representing the leadership of Babylon. And again, we need to remember these are teenagers. Uh, Most uh, commentators say that, and historians say they were between the ages of 14 and 17. 
So these are teenagers taken out of their homes and they're transported to Babylon. And they would undergo three years of training. In other words, for that, training would be brainwashing. They were introduced and told they needed to learn all about the history of the Chaldeans. They need to learn about the history and the gods that they worship. They need to learn all the rituals that the Babylonians adhered to. All with that temptation of them turning their back on what they have been raised in in their homes that they believed in worshiping the one true God. One thing that I've seen at the jail with some of the, the false religions is the brainwashing technique. You keep drilling it into somebody till finally it just almost like without thinking they start believing it. And it happens over a period of time. This is three years that they are introduced now to this brainwashing technique. Daniel's name, part of the brainwashing was changed from Daniel, which means God is my judge, to Belteshazzar, which means Bel, protect the king, one of the Babylonian gods. Daniel's friends, Hananiah, which means the Lord is gracious. His name was going to be changed to Shadrach, which means command of Aku, another one of the Babylonian gods. Mishael, which means who is like the Lord, was given the name Meshach, which means who is what Aku is. These are all the gods they worship. And Azariah, the Lord is my helper, to Abednego, which means servant of Nego. Again, one of the many gods that were worshipped in Babylon. So we see the capture. A teenager, Daniel, and his three friends, handpicked to be brainwashed for three years to be put in training to serve the nation of Babylon which had just defeated uh, Israel and Judah. So they were taken away. And one thing that always impresses me, I guess, is, is Daniel and these three teenage boys. They had to have a strong foundation. And I believe they were raised in homes where they were taught to fear God and to love God and know His commandments. These aren't even adults. These are teenagers taken into captivity. The second detail of Daniel's testimony is this prophet's convictions, beginning at verse 8. Very important verse in this first chapter. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself. He purposed in his heart... He made a decision. He said, I will not turn my back on the true God and all that I believe and I will not allow to be brainwashed into those who have defeated the country I'm a part of. That was a strong stand for Daniel. Here he's taken as a teenager and he is bombarded with so much in this new country that has captured his country. But Daniel had convictions that he stood by. And one thing I would encourage each of you as I challenge my own self, know what you believe. Base it on the Word. When I started in the pastor 35 years ago, I began 
to write down every day. And, and I change it as I find things, as I'm told from God's word. Everything I believe is based on the word. Because if we don't have convictions, we're more likely to stray. But if we base it on God's word, God's word is God's word. It's not an opinion. It's from God who is holy, who has no sin, who cannot lie. But I covered things like in my own, the scriptures, the Bible, it's under attack. God, who is God? The Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, man, totally deprived. We're, we're without hope. It's by the grace of God that God chooses us, saves us, sustains us, and keeps us forever and ever. Salvation. As I shared earlier, John 14, 6, Jesus is the way. The church, what's the church for? Last things, judgment of the lost. Those are just some of those. But everything that I, I have as a conviction are things that I have to take a stand on because it's based on the Word. And believe me, if we take stands on God's Word today, there will be a price. Not directly. And if you haven't seen it yet, it's coming but God says part of it's going to be suffering for my name's sake. If they didn't accept Jesus, why are they going to accept us? Sorry to preach at you on that, but I firmly believe that. And I so am challenged by Daniel. He made up his mind. He purposed in his heart as a teenager. And he said, I'm not giving in. I'm going to stand in the power of God. Because he's my God. Daniel's convicted again not to compromise based on some of the beliefs and teachings that he had. Exodus 34, for you shall worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods and on them invites you and you eat of his sacrifice. Foods that are offered to pagan gods was against Daniel's beliefs. Based in Leviticus 1. And Daniel took a stand here, a courageous stand, because he knew God was with him just like he's with us today. One commentator, Shower, shares this, the pressure to conform to Babylon's pagan culture was severe upon Daniel and his friends. They were only teenagers subjected to the authority of the most powerful adult ruler on earth. What Nebuchadnezzar said stood. They didn't challenge Nebuchadnezzar. Or most likely they would lose their head. That's the kind of world leader he was. You didn't oppose him. Lots of pressure. But again, they were standing strong in the Lord. And that's what we have to do in America as well. Henry Ironside writes, These men stood firmly for the God of Israel and refused to dishonor him by compliance with the demand that would have rendered them unclean before him. Daniel offers an alternative choice to the king's food as we look on here in verse 8. 
We see what he says. He made up his mind. He purposed in his heart he would not defile himself or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now, verse 9, I love it. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. God's still working. He hasn't abandoned Daniel and his friends. Even though as teenagers they were handpicked to be brainwashed to serve the Babylonian empire. But it says God granted Daniel favor. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you will make me forfeit my head to the king. That's Nebuchadnezzar. But Daniel said to the overseer whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given some vegetables to eat, water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence. And the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. And at the end of ten days, their appearance seemed better and they were fatter than all the youths, not fatter where they didn't look good, but who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and wine. They were to drink, kept giving them vegetables. Who gave Daniel that alternative to offer to his new captor? God did, because he's still working through Daniel and his three friends. And again, the courage of Daniel to speak up, to say, I I cannot defile myself, I cannot defile my God that I worship. Again, as a teenager, I admire, I see the strength of God here through Daniel. He didn't argue. He wasn't disrespectful. He said, here's an alternative. How about this test? Ten days. That's all. But we see the, his captor a little bit concerned. Why? He don't want to lose his head, does he? Nebuchadnezzar, if he didn't like what he saw, you weren't following what he wanted you to do, that could very well happen. So the conversation goes back and forth. And then because God granted Daniel favor, he said, okay, I accept it. We'll try it for 10 days. And the results are amazing, aren't they? Here's this heathen eunuch, uh, a high place under Nebuchadnezzar. He's allowing this 10-day test. And I don't know if he bit his fingernails, maybe. Over this 10 days, what's going to happen here? Am I going to lose my head? But God was working through this. Just like God works through believers in America. Whether we become fewer in number and God allows a purification of true believers, we need to say, Lord, just give me the strength each day. If you ask me to stand for you, help me to stand in your strength, not my own. Because the world wants you to give in. I've heard many, many times this year, especially in what I do, I've heard many times you've got to be open-minded. That means you just void your mind and fill it with whatever. 
But I challenged the inmates that I do a service with on Thursdays. I, I said, memorize the word. Get it in your mind. Because when Satan comes to attack you, it isn't like, well, wait a minute, I've got to find some scripture. No, you better have it up here. Because God can bring, God the Holy Spirit brings it to mind to use. We have the example of Jesus when he was tempted by Satan after 40 days of not eating. We remember he quoted scripture. And finally, after the third time, Satan had to leave because he can't stand against this. This is God's word, not opinion, not what one man says. It's what God says, and we can rely on it. So these four men, after the ten days, were much healthier, and so they continued on a vegetarian diet. I don't know if we can learn from that. Maybe limit meat, I don't know, but I've heard, you know, vegetarian is really easier to digest and all, and maybe overall more healthy, but I don't know if we all want to give up Burger King, McDonald's, all those kind of places, and just go with that, but it might be something to think about. Henry Ironside, great preacher, comments, this brings out a principle of great force and beauty that should appeal to every Christian heart and conscience. Mark you, the only way to go on with God is by being faithful in the little things. Those little things. Because once we start to give in on the little things, the big things come and we're already there. We'll say, yeah, I'll just add that. Many ways to heaven. I can add another way. But we're going against what God's word says. The only way is through Jesus Christ. And him alone. Daniel took a stand and God honored it. As he and his friends obeyed God and they wouldn't defile themselves. How often in our lives has God honored us when we've obeyed him? I've seen it often in my work at the jail. I've seen God when I've been attacked for my Christian faith by an inmate face to face, and I remember walking across, heading back to the office, and I was a little discouraged, and I heard something, I heard a voice that said, Chaplain John, Chaplain John, and I looked around, I didn't see anybody, and I saw a roofing pickup sitting there, and there was somebody sitting inside, I hope I can share this. I saw somebody sitting there inside and he said, Chaplain John, I don't know if you remember me, but I was in this jail about a year ago. Thank you for being there. It's God's timing. How do you keep going? You've got to go in his strength. That's the only way. Because Satan wants us defeated, God says, I will empower you. You will be an overcomer, but let me work in you. I just praise him more and more, all his grace toward me. I know I don't deserve it. It's all of him. Third detail of Daniel's testimony, beginning of verse 17, Daniel's commission. Daniel's commission. Notice in verse 17 what it shares. And for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom, 
Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. What does it say? God gave them. It's God again. God is working through this whole chapter time and time again, reminding these teenagers who have taken a stand for Him, I'm here with you. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. I am more powerful than Nebuchadnezzar. Don't worry about him. God is all-powerful. That's one thing I always enjoy working with Sparks in Awana. You use these big words, all-powerful, and then you do something like this. And, oh, yeah, I understand that. I know what you mean. You've got to get all those word pictures there. Kindergartners especially really respond to that. But God gave them so that they could learn what they had to learn, but they were still staying strong in their faith. Another commentator shares, God enabled Daniel and his friends to learn their subjects well. He gave them a gift of wisdom so they could distinguish true knowledge from the false. To Daniel, he added the gift of discerning between true and false dreams and visions and of interpreting the true Accurately. God gave them these so that they could shine, so they could be salt and light in the heathen empire of Babylon. God commissioned these teenagers to be his ambassadors in troubled times to a nation that worshipped many gods, not the one true God. After three years, Daniel and friends were brought before the king. And let's see what happens. Verse 18, then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king talked with them, and out of them not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service, and for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. So after three years, they come before Nebuchadnezzar. And they might have been all the age of maybe 20. And they've been hanging on and they've been standing strong in their own beliefs, but they've had to learn about the Chaldeans' beliefs and their gods. But then I notice here in verse 19, the king talks with him. But look at the names that are listed. Do you see the Babylonian names? You see Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Their names that brought honor and glory to God are used here. Not the Babylonian names. Because through this, These four men, these teenagers who might be 20 years old now, through all of this, can you imagine the witness they had to the head of the eunuchs? Not only did they learn what they had to learn, but I'm sure they were spending time in prayer. They were having their own Bible study, reminding each other God's in control, God is sovereign, things aren't out of control, they're troubled. 
but they're not out of control because God's in charge. Powerful witness. We too, if we are dependent upon God, if we know what we believe, everything based on God's word, we can stand strong as well, like Daniel and these three men as well. It was God who appointed them to what they received. He used Nebuchadnezzar, but God was behind it. Because it's a lesson that Nebuchadnezzar, down the line again, in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar is going to learn something down the line of who's in charge, who puts people where they're at. Because we ask that at times, don't we? Well, why is this allowed? Why is this person over here? God allowed it. He knows what's going on. There's a purpose. And do we have to say, God, why did you do this? Does God have to answer us when he has so graced us with his mercy? Every day he wakes us up. We have another day to serve God here. Every day we have an opportunity to stand up for God's word. And believe me, it's under attack. Sovereignty of God is awesome. Webster defines sovereignty as supreme power, superior to all others, possessing supreme dominion. I can see it here. Can you see it? God working through these men. I saw it, and we won't have time to go into it, but Genesis 45, I saw it in Joseph's life. They intended it for bad. God intended it for good. He's working it out, even with Joseph. Elijah, 1 Kings 18. Daniel, later on in Daniel 6. And one lady, I'll never forget her testimony, Corrie Ten Boom, who lived through World War II and the Holocaust. And it was an accident that she lived through it. It was no accident. They messed up her papers. She should have went to the gas chamber. But do you think who was in charge? Who was watching over those papers? God was there with Corey Ten Boom. And she was able to share her testimony, losing her family, basically. And one thing she said at the close of her life, I've learned to hang on to things loosely because it hurts when God has to pry my fingers loose of things. God has to be number one in our lives. If he's anywhere else, it's going to be a mess. But if he's first, it'll be God's order. Troubled times are part of our walk on this earth. Are we living in troubled times in America? Absolutely. Did Daniel live in troubled times as a teenager? Absolutely. But God is sovereign. God will work through us, but we've got to say, Lord, use me. I don't want to sit on the bench anymore. I want to stand. You tell me to stand, I want to stand. But I want to stand on your word. Because that doesn't change and that has no air. It's God's word. And I just encourage each of you, whatever comes in coming years, know what you believe. Because we're to be ready to give an answer. Why? Because the world is desperate. What they see around them isn't working. And it's not going to work. Only a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is the answer.
Everything else will tip over. It'll crumble. It won't last. God will take care of us. But we, as Americans, as Christians, as believers, we need to be willing to say, God, here I am. Use me for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Daniel, for his three friends, for those who were captured, taken away from their homes to a foreign land and indoctrinated. Father, you were with them all the way. Thank you for your sovereignty. Thank you, Lord, that you have promised and have to keep your word. You will never leave us nor forsake us. Help us to remain strong in troubled times. As we see things daily going on in America that break our hearts because they're against what your word teaches, Father, guide and direct us. Give us your discernment that we not be pulled away from you, but, Father, hang on to you tighter, knowing that you will see us through each day. And, Father, as... I'm reminded every day as I share with inmates, as I share here, we have to take it a day at a time. We don't know about what tomorrow holds except our blessed hope that we'll be with you for eternity. We can't change yesterday, but we have today. When we wake up in the morning, help us to walk like you, with you like Enoch. And help us to portray to those around us In the dark world around us, Lord, that's getting darker, help us to reflect your light and be your salt that people will thirst after you. And we pray all this and it's for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.